Welcome to The Edge Conversations, a podcast series produced by the Institute for Molecular Bioscience at the University of Queensland. Each episode is a deep dive into the often lifelong journeys and struggles of people with infection, pain, and other chronic illnesses. By harnessing expertise in chemistry, structural biology, genomics, cell biology, and bioinformatics, IMB has become Australia's leading life sciences research institute. Set apart in its ability to translate basic biology through to health outcomes, IMB is bringing new treatments to patients for infection, pain, chronic disease, and more. The Edge Conversations. Personal and inspiring stories fueling IMB's pursuit of cutting-edge research. Today we're talking to Giovanna Leung. Giovanna's story starts in Hong Kong and is one of perseverance and resilience. Well, Giovanna, thank you so much for joining us today in Impact Stories for the um, IMB. Just a, you moved to Hong Kong um, after university, is that correct? Yes, I moved to Hong Kong in early 1973. I married a young man from Hong Kong who was studying at UQ. In those days, it must have seemed incredibly exotic to be going and, um, you know, living somewhere like, you know, in the Far East, so to speak. I knew nothing about Hong Kong before I met this young man. And um, yes, it was. And and it was also a developing country because it wasn't too long after the Second World War and China had declared communism in, in or the government had declared communism in China. And a lot of refugees were moving into Hong Kong. I think the figure was in, in the hundreds of thousands every year moving illegally into Hong Kong to get away from the communist regime in China. Um, so there were not enough homes, there were not enough places in school, there were not enough hospital beds. Everything was stretched because of the masses of people that were coming out. And you didn't sit on your hands at all once you got to Hong Kong. You got very involved in the community. Would you like to tell me a little bit about that? Well, it was a developing country. And one of the things that I noticed was that uh, women really didn't have a lot of support and a lot of services or a lot of consideration. Um, The feminist movement had impacted Western countries and certainly impacting in Australia, hadn't had the same impact in Hong Kong. And it was increasingly obvious that women were very badly done by. They would have two or three jobs. Um, They were paid poor salaries because everyone was desperate to make a living. Um, There were were no services, there were no facilities for them. And um, it just became increasingly obvious. So I joined an organization called the Hong Kong Council of Women that had been started in 1947. And... we worked on some of the women's needs in Hong Kong, such as war against rape, um, setting up a women's uh, domestic violence against women and children, a refuge for them, um, campaigning for equal pay for women in the public service, um, campaigning for paid maternity leave. There was no such thing at the time in Hong Kong. And we used the media a great deal television and radio um, at the time, newspapers, um, to put our message across. You are working furiously in, you know, those areas and you have three small children. Yes. Giovanna, we as mothers, we all know that there comes a time where we stop listening to our own bodies. Yes. 
Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Well, that was certainly the case. I mean, if if you're a mother and and I was also running around for all these issues, uh, the last thing I would do is notice any aches and pains. Um, and you know, you would take you would take something to impact the the ache and and just just carry on. And life in Hong Kong was extremely hectic. I think the the worst pain that I'd experienced was with my knees eventually. And that, I think, um, came gradually. It wasn't just a sudden pain. And again, I ignored it initially. But within a couple of months, I reached a stage where to stand up or to sit down, any any bending or, or uh, unbending of the knees was just excruciating. And um, I was dealing with it. I, I wasn't tempted to go and see a doctor yet. And then my daughter and her husband came to visit and he had knee surgery at one stage so he took me to the gym and he showed me what equipment to use at the gym um, for about 15 minutes at a time followed by going to the pool and walking across backwards and forwards in the pool about 20 times and I did it Um, I was skeptical but I did it and within three months or so the pain started to go away so that's when I became sold on the gym. I came home from the gym one night and there was a pain in my back and I thought I'd pulled a muscle. So I used some hot packs um, and ignored it, thinking that it would go away. Um, within a few days, I couldn't get out of bed. My back was so painful, um, I could barely walk. And uh, at that stage, obviously, I went to see some doctors. I saw two doctors. Um, one of whom told me that there's only a 50% success rate on back surgery and to never consider it. The other one told me after looking at the MRIs that I was a candidate for surgery. But as I was about to leave Hong Kong in six to seven months, um, I wasn't going to do surgery in Hong Kong. Um, When I came back to Australia, I had to wait 12 months because there was no private health insurance for a precondition. So how did you live with chronic pain? Because we're talking, we're up to 18, 19, we're almost at two years now, aren't we? It's it's just over three years. Yeah. I took a lot of Altaren. Um, I was t- taking 50 milligrams, which is double the dose per day, and eventually that went up to 100 milligrams a day. But it doesn't numb the pain very much at all. I'm still in great pain. So um, it really means changing your lifestyle not being able to do things that, that I had done easily before without a thought. So tell me, what it, what is it like for you to live with th- this type of pain? Because this is neural, this is all nerve-related. Just explain that to me. My life has changed completely. I reconsider if I'm invited to visit someone. I rarely go out. Um, I have to sit around a lot of the time. Uh, from being a very dynamic, energetic person, um, I find it very frustrating that I, to to minimise the pain, I have to be sitting or reclining. Um, if I get up and vacuum the house, I then have to sit for about two or three hours to recover from the pain. So it's impacting on every aspect of life and it's certainly impacting on uh, being with friends, going to the supermarket, uh, doing th- walking. I used to walk a couple of hours a day. 
I can't do that at all. The pain starts immediately. So um, my life has changed and I feel very, very elderly and very, very removed from everybody and everything. So living as long as you have with chronic pain obviously has been inc- an incredibly tedious time for you, but you've, you've made a decision now. Do you, can you tell me about that, how you came to it, and also how hard it has been to land on something you're comfortable with doing now? Um, I have decided to have surgery, despite so many people telling me that uh, it's not a good idea, that it's very dangerous, that it could be a, a worse result than the kind of life that I'm leading now. And because of those concerns that everybody expresses, including my own family, um, I told my GP that I was going to see three specialists and see what the majority decision (laughs) or the majority advice was going to be. So I have consulted with three specialists. um, And they all showed me on the MRIs where the problem lies. And it is pressure on the nerves inside the spinal cord, inside the spinal cavity. And um, I've made a decision that I will have the surgery. Um, It's going to be keyhole surgery, so it's minimal invasion of the body. And um, it's not 100% guaranteed, but it's something that I have to try because I tried everything else. I tried physio, I tried Pilates, which worked initially, but doesn't seem to be working anymore. I don't want to live in pain um, for the rest of my life. I guess it kind of lends itself then to the fact that we are incredibly lucky to live somewhere where we have access to, first of all, the medical intervention, but also to live somewhere that um, the research is, is happening. Do you ever sit and think about what's gone before to allow you to have, you know, this particular surgery? Because it's, it's quite a fascinating science in itself. I actually had the experience of my father having back surgery when he was 21. And I remember visiting him at the PA and he looked up and the first thing he said, I was 20 years old at the time, the first thing he said was, just shoot me. So that was a tremendous impact on me too, that every time I thought about back surgery, um, I was reminded of of that situation with my father. So I was pretty pretty scared uh, to even consider surgery. We are fortunate. It's come such a long way since then. The doctors that I've seen have actually shown me what can be done nowadays. And the research that's taking place, we will reach a stage where we will no no longer need to have surgery. There will be um, pain management techniques. There will be um, the kind of medication that will be very, very effective. And I do believe that in the next few years, um, it will progress in leaps and bounds, uh, just as it did from my father's time to my time now. Giovanna, thank you very much for coming in and speaking to us today. It's been lovely uh, to chat. Good luck with the surgery. What date? Thank you. On the 10th of August, I'm having surgery. Well, um, we should have a catch-up. I'd like to to see you dance or do something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll go dancing, yes. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for listening to The Edge Conversations. 
For more information on the Institute for Molecular Bioscience at the University of Queensland, visit their website imb.uq.edu.au.